0: Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who I have heard from reliable sources is Valley at the Cheeky Cheeky.
1: It's Greg. How are you today, Greg? Very well. Who are these reliable sources? <laughs>
0: I can't name my sources. <laughs> uh, a good journalist never reveals their sources, Greg, but let's just say I've heard from multiple sources that you are Valley at the Jiggy
1: Jiggy. <laughs> How are you? How's everything going this week? Uh, good. It's been the school holidays here, so uh, I had a, bit, a little bit of time off work. We went away to a hotel up in Ras Al Khaimah for a night and oh, nice. chilled out a bit and drank too much and swam in the sea and <laughs> all the things that one does on holiday. What about you?
0: Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, everything's good with me. Um, hopefully I sound a bit better than I did in the last episode because I've had all my stitches out, so my mouth is on the road to recovery. Uh, yeah, all good. Um, nothing much exciting happening, to be perfectly honest. It's um, it's coming into, well, late autumn, winter yeah. in Amsterdam, so it's getting a little bit colder. The leaves are falling from the trees. It's, uh, it's lovely. It's a lovely uh, evening. Although it's funny, we have a... It, This week it's been uh, the EDM week in Amsterdam, which they do every year. So it's electronic dance music festival. And across the road from our apartment there is a nightclub, and it's fine. We our apartments on the back of the building, so we never hear anything from this nightclub. It's great, and the nightclub it's like underground. So you kind of the entrance is there, and then. it's all under so you don't hear anything um but they must have been open for 24 hours yesterday for this event because i went out to walk the dog at 7 a.m and there was like loads of people outside like casualties of you know and i i presume the club had just closed like absolute casualties of war there was one girl puking in the bushes There was drinking sat there drinking a bottle of wine smoking a joint and it's like okay so walk the dog fine okay must have closed there. um Uh, late this evening but then when i took him out for his lunchtime walk around about one o'clock the club was still going (laughs) and there was about 10 people outside and i'm not joking they would not have looked out of place outside like a pub in scotland (laughs) like there was one guy who must have been in his 50s and he looked like a scrotum. <laughs> I, it's like bald head, really wrinkled, just genuinely looked like a borsack. And he had on like cargo shorts, this tie dye t shirt, um, like little shades, like like Morpheus right. from the Matrix. But they had legs, yeah. and you know, just standing there. And I could hear the music coming from the club, and he's just dancing whilst he's smoking his fag and enjoying himself, living his best good life. But yeah, so um, yeah, good for him, yeah. you know. I think we know someone who will probably be like that. Probably more. Somebody who is like that. Like a scrotum. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A scrotum with a Brazilian, shall we say? Um, So, yeah. So, other than that, that's been, yeah, that's pretty much been my week. Uh, So, yeah. So,
1: now that the weather, because I mean, the the one thing that you'll know from living in Dubai that I kind of miss about living back home is the seasonality. So while it will cool mm-hmm. down a wee bit here, it's 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 never like jacket weather. And yeah. do you, do you, do you find you know as the as the temperature starts to drop, it's a bit of a consolation that you can start wearing like your favourite warmer jackets yeah. and get your scarf on and your hat and your gloves.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've noticed I go for a run most mornings, so my shorts have been put away. I'm now wearing my running trousers right. and my uh, t-shirts have kind of been put away. It's the long sleeve tops right. now. Like right, Rocky. Um, right, ro- but yeah. A pair of I, Chuck Taylors on. And- like Rocky. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: those, <laughs> those are Dutch kids running behind you. you went up some
0: steps. No, unfortunately not. No Chuck Taylors. Ah. No, it's um, Socony Ride 13s that I, I rock. Um, but uh, yeah, I have noticed, yeah, when walking the dog, it's mm-hmm. I've got my Carhartt fleecy jacket out and right. yeah, the the hats are out and i haven't got to glove stage yet right. it's not that cold but it's weird like you know one day last week it was like 8 degrees in the morning and then the next day it was 16 degrees right. at the same time just the next day it's it's bizarre the weather here it just kind of changes but it's it's on the turn so yeah, I think in the next few days it will be very much uh, thicker jackets yeah. will be in order.
1: Speaking of Rocky, um, don't ask me why it's taken me sort of twelve years to do this, but I had never watched any of the Expendables films. And when okay. when we were away yep. um, this week, it was on the telly, like the first one. So I think I missed the first. Mm-hmm. I missed like the first maybe twenty minutes of it. Um, I couldn't really quite believe what I, <laughs> what I was watching. <laughs> you know, I. I couldn't decide whether everybody's just having a laugh and they're not taking it too seriously or wait with Stallone you just never know you know you just <laughs> never know if he's in on the joke or not um
0: I think he is yeah. in those films I think he is yeah. yeah he has to be I I think he he went kind of meta a long time right. ago in fact I, I would say um Tangle and Cash yeah. Is a, a perfect example of when Stallone kinda went meta because uh, th- in th- one of the opening scenes the you know takes down this truck with a little gun yeah. and one of the other cops says to him, Who do you think you are? Fucking Rambo or something? Yeah. And it's and was it Sloan System like, no, I'm better. No, at it Rambo, says it or,
1: says it, Rambo was a pussy.
0: That's the one, <laughs> yeah. Rambo was a pussy that's when i think stallone went meta so no i genuinely think the expendables is not a piss take but it is him having a bit of a laugh, like kind of look at this because come on look at everyone he gets together for those films i mean it's got like jet lee um randy couture you know statham yeah Yeah, it's all you know i I think it's a a bit of a,
1: a laugh really yeah I hope. (laughs) Anyway. I just watched it. Paul was like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm not not really sure. I thought I was watching a Sylvester Stallone film, but I feel like I'm watching Saturday Night Live or National Lampoon doing a Sylvester Stallone film, you know, but Sly's in it with all these other famous people.
0: I mean, I'd miss those type of films that kind of don't take themselves too seriously. Like, I think you had... I don't know if you've ever seen the one he did with Arnie about maybe eight years uh, ago, Escape Room. Yeah, that was quite good. Escape Plan. I quite
1: like that one. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. was. Good, yeah,
0: but again, didn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, I would say like nowadays the the closest we have to kind of eighties action films that kind of don't take themselves too seriously. And I know you don't really watch these, but I I genuinely cannot recommend them enough. They are so fucking good. Is the Fast and Furious? Series. Oh yeah, like they are so good. I know. I was like you. I was exactly like you. Like, oh, I'm not watching that pish. My wife made me watch the first one. First one is, it's it's point break, it but with colours. Yeah. It's amazing. But I think the second one's good. Third one is crap. Fourth one's okay. And then it gets to like the fifth one and they're just like, you know what? Let's have fun with these. Mm-hmm. And they just go mental. They are so good. I cannot recommend them enough because they're just hilarious, just nonsense, which is what is missing. It's like 80s action films. <laughs> like, you don't get them nowadays and that's what's missing. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how many times I go back and watch stuff like, okay, it wasn't 80s, but like Demolition Man. Yeah. You're never going to get a film like that nowadays. Like, come on, that's a brilliant
1: film. I watched them um, maybe last year after the, uh, after the Rewatchables podcast did it. I watched Cobra. That's a tough watch. Mm. Cobra's a tough watch <laughs> in the in the twenty twenties. It really is.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a tough one.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's it, it is that as well. To be honest, unless. Uh, <laughs> Unless you unless you got a thing for Bridget Nielsen, as as Arnie, uh, as uh, Sly <laughs> obviously did, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, he
0: certainly did. Uh, why is it, Why did you think it was a tough watch? Just not uh, politically correct. Just, or just not. No, it's
1: um... not. It's not politically. I mean, it's not politically correct, and but that's not what I mean. It's just. <laughs> it's. Just, <laughs> It's just it's you know, the whole kind of Maverick kind of police officer sort of turning up. Like even his name, was his name like uh or something like that? It's just so Yeah, Cobranetti. Cobronetti, yeah. you know, like Italian guy. Um <laughs> you know, like and like the, the the dialogue, like there's this the scene at the beginning when for reasons that aren't clear, one of these like cult guys like holds a supermarket up at gunpoint and like Loads of innocent bystanders are just getting fucking blown away. you know what I mean? Like, not shot, blown away. And then Sly comes in, he's, he starts talking to the, the guy, he's got him at gunpoint, and the guy's like, don't come any closer, I'll blow this whole place up. And Sly's like, go ahead, I don't shop here. <laughs> I remember in the 1980s, a line like that would have had my dad on the floor laughing, right? 'Cause he liked the whole sort of Western John Wayne, lone gunman, saves a day type thing. But like in the modern time, you're like, What the fuck? It's just like Sly just making his own lines up as he goes along. You know? <laughs> Improving. It's got got me in hysterics. I've seen the
0: film. I haven't watched it for a while, but even you describing it had me laughing and chuckling at it. That's what I miss. You don't get that kind of thing nowadays. You know, I want to see Arnie, you know, stick around or, you know, He's yeah. he's dead tired. <laughs> you know, you don't get that nowadays. Come on, bring that back.
1: <laughs> that's and that's what they were trying to do with the expense. Yeah, I, I suppose. Think. Yeah, I maybe I maybe I maybe give the there's only three, right? Maybe I'll give two and three a, a spin.
0: Is there a, uh, is there a fourth? I can't remember. I remember. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there's only three. I think I've only seen three. <laughs> ah, well, okay. Uh well, wonderful. I'm glad to hear that you were enjoying a little bit of uh, Sylvester <laughs> Stallone in Yeah. <Rassel-Kima. laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, right. Well, this is normally the point where I would say to you, right, Greg, shall we have a look at the news? However, we're going to do something a little bit different this week on the podcast. Don't worry, we are going to have a look at a couple of news stories um, after we've discussed what we're about to discuss next. However, we could not let this episode go by because unfortunately last week as we're recording this, so it'll be probably three weeks ago when you're listening to the podcast, we unfortunately lost a I don't think it's too much to say an absolute national treasure in terms of Scotland. We've lost Anthony Robert Macmillan, otherwise known as Robbie Coltrane who passed away at the age of 72. And Greg and I really wanted to just have a little bit of a chat about Robbie because, I, I don't know about you, Greg, but for me, Robbie had always just been around in terms of, of my lifetime. Like, he'd he just always been there. And just such a wonderful actor, a wonderful man. I always think it's tells a lot about a person when they die, how the press and how other people react. Mm-hmm. And there's not a single bad word been said about Robbie you know sometimes when people die people might be like "Ah, he was a bit of a tight cunt or you know he was a bit of a moany bastard at times everyone has just been outpouring of just like this guy was just an absolute legend and just the the most down-to-earth nicest man you would ever meet
1: yeah I mean I'm like you I he always seems to have been on the telly when sort of growing up you know Mm. um I remember, I mean, I, I guess I would, I must have been aware of them already, but I remember when I lived in England uh, in the late 80s, they repeated Tutti Fruity uh, on BBC Two, and um, and I recognised them there, you know what I mean? I remember, like, I remember the continuity announcer starring Robbie Coltrane and Emma Thompson, Tutti Fruity, and I was like, oh, it's him, you know, and then I was gonna, I was sort of too young for it, you know, I didn't really appreciate it. Um, then but uh yeah i mean just like the things that he kind of popped up in in the 80s and 90s they like, i think my favorite um or one of my favorite performances of his and it's not a scottish program but he plays um Samuel Johnson, who created the first dictionary on uh, Blackadder the Third, um, mm. and the whole exchange between him and uh, Rowan Atkinson, Rowan Atkinson's like, or Blackadder rather, is making up words <laughs> just to annoy him when he's trying to get uh, Prince George's endorsement, uh, royal endorsement for the book. is uh, It's just hilarious, and it and it's it's still hilarious. You know, like sometimes these older comedies. And performances, you know, like when you come back to them, they don't always stand up. But it's just, yeah. it's it's absolutely, um, absolutely hilarious. And when I was, I think it was when I was in America in May and I was jet lagged and I was trying to just, I was kind of flicking through the channels and I ended up watching Krull, that sort of British film attempt to a Star Wars film, and um, he's in that. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think it, yeah, uh, him and uh, him and Tucker Jenkins from Green Hill, and a whole <laughs> a whole host of. British acting royalty uh, appear in this bizarre fucking science fiction film. Can't decide whether it's Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. And again, it's just you know I think because he's such a big guy and his his presence, even in the even in like a small role like that or something like a uh, cracker, which, you know, which he was absolutely fantastic in, Um just such a just such a great actor.
0: I'm similar to you. For some reason, my first kind of memory of Coltrane is the opening titles to Tootie Fruity. Mm. And I remember distinctly, I have this memory of it being on TV and the opening titles. And I used to always sing, you know, Tootie Fruity. Yeah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember those opening titles. I don't know if I, because it must have been on late for the age I was at the time. Mm. So I'd imagine I was probably allowed to watch the opening yeah. and then right bed yeah, yeah, Like you can have your little dance to Tootie Fruity <laughs> and then off to bed. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's such a mum thing yeah, to yeah. kind of uh, see. And But I, I vividly remember that. And as you say, he had so many great roles. Um, I mean, Cracker, which we'll come on to, is, is something I've never really watched. Right. And I don't know why. I, I've downloaded every episode of Cracker in the last couple of days. Yeah. And I'm going to sit and watch it because it, I don't know why I never watched it, because it is right up my street. But as you say, I, I kind of knew him.
1: Yeah, you
0: from those two three opening yeah. titles. I felt like I, I knew him and I don't know if it's maybe because I'd seen him in the comic strip presents or if if Alfresco or mm. a kick up the eighties or laugh I nearly paid my license fee had been on in the background. Yeah. And it wasn't till I think about 11, 12 year old Nikki was obsessed with the young ones. Yeah. And he, he pops up in a couple of episodes. Um, the, the most famous, probably. And it, it's... Whenever I think of Robbie Coltrane, this is what I always think of. And it's in Bambi, which is probably the young ones, maybe their most famous yeah. episode. It's the one where they go Universal on Universal Challenge. Universal Challenge. Yeah. And at the very end the very end of the episode this chocolate eclair drops on the students from scumbag college and it cuts to robbie coltrane sat in a white coat dressed as a scientist with an elephant behind him and he and he says uh, oh no this sticky bun is covered with human beings the size of amoebas here jumbo get that doing your esophagus (laughs) and feeds the elephant the sticky bun (laughs) for some reason, just whenever I think of Coltrane, I think about, here, Jumbo, get that doing your esophagus. (laughs) Or I think about his other
1: favourite role of mine, which is
0: Sister Inovialata of the Immaculate Conception from (laughs) Non-Southern (laughs) Bride.
1: I remember going to see that at the cinema, um in barrow and furnace and it was it was a 12 and i think it was it, oh. it was the it was this it was the second 12 rated movie that i managed to get into the first one being batman the 1989 batman
0: the first 12 rated movie yeah ever exactly in the UK. yeah
1: exactly um and i was only i was only just 11 but I was, I was quite tall i remember um me and a couple of my pals went to see N- nuns in the run and <laughs> The scene, the scene when he has just been teaching the nuns to play netball. And then it's basketball. I was like, basketball. It's basketball. It's yeah.
0: basketball. He does a slam dunk. He's,
1: he's sitting in the changing rooms and they're all in the shower and like all these naked girls. I Me and my pals were like, oh, "Look at that!" You know. <laughs>
0: and
1: he's <sitting> there sweating. <laughs> well, go in in a minute.
0: Yeah. But there is a scene where he sat there and one of the uh, duds reaches over to grab our tumble and um, there is a, a nipple right in his face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his acting is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. No, it's basketball. He does a, he literally does a slam dunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's kind of what I obviously uh, Robbie Coltrane. Remember him for really, but of course he was such a, a wonderful actor. You know, we've mentioned um M. Cracker, and and of course later on we forget. I mean, I kind of think as Robbie is kind of our person, mm-hmm. like our generation. But for millions and millions of others, he's Hagrid. Yeah, of course, in so. Harry Potter. Yeah. and to have that kind of role is just phenomenal. And again. It spoke out that I, I read a, a, quite a few quotes from the, the child actors that were in mm. Harry Potter, just speaking about how wonderful Robbie was on set. To them. yeah, and what a lovely guy, and just so warm
1: and lovely. I read that uh, J.K. Rowling pushed really hard to get him as Hagrid. They, she he was he was in her mind when she was writing the character in the books. Oh. I believe um, you know um, and. You know, she pushed for him to get it, and it, you know, I mean, it really—I was all surprised that um, it didn't lead because, apart from like the Bond films, when he he's in GoldenEye mm. and then they bring the character back in again, um, and the world is not enough. You know, like, I, I don't know if it was if it was a choice or not. I know that he he lived just outside Falkirk. You know, I, th- I think yeah. as from what I believe he he liked living in Scotland. You know. Um, mm. And I wonder if maybe that's why we didn't see him in more sort of Hollywood films. Because you would think, like, starring in Harry Potter, they call those, well... Maybe not all the child actors, but certainly Daniel Radcliffe, who just between you, and me, and the listeners, I don't think is a very good actor, by the way, even now. Um, but he's gone on to be successful, and then of course Emma Watson's been. She's she's probably done the best out of mm. all of them, and she's done a lot. of She was, you know, she was uh, she she's a good actress. When you thought, well, you know, you think Coltrane would do a bit more stuff abroad, but yeah, maybe it was a choice, you know, maybe they like, been away from his family for long periods of time and things like that.
0: It could be because, as you've mentioned, the. The things that he did, like the Harry Potter films, they were all filmed in the UK mm-hmm. and those two Bond films also would have been filmed in the UK. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just didn't like traveling, flying. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's something I never really thought of, but you're right. He, he could have maybe gone on to bigger and better things, but I, I guess he was just content. Yeah. But it shows the the mark of the man that Robbie was, that he would, here he is in the middle of the run of the Harry Potter films, and I think this was just around about the time the fourth one came out, so it's probably at its apex, yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah. Robbie Coltrane, you know, Hagrid, big character, doing amazing sterling work, and then he pops up as Davy, the dial-a-bus driver <laughs> <Yeah>. in Still Game. <laughs> And I watched I watched that episode yesterday again, and it's he's fucking brilliant in it. The range he has in that episode is phenomenal. Like he's so good. Mm-hmm. Just this, it's a, it's a little role, yeah. Davey, you know, the bus driver that goes mental, but he's he's fantastic in it. And for him to to do that, and I mean, I think that was like was that series three? Maybe you've still gained, possibly, you know, yeah. it was still it wasn't you know massively. It, yeah, popular as it as it became to be. Mm-hmm. That for me shows the the depth of, of Coltrane's character. That he would be like, Yeah, I'll come, you know, I've, I've got a weekend free. Come yeah. on, I'll go and do this job for a few days, help you out.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder as well if it was like, you know, for him, he, he, he sort of started off in, you know, well, in Scotland and you know, in, in, in the UK, he started off doing that type of comedy, like doing the stuff with a comic strip and whatnot. And, you know, this would be a, a chance to get back to his roots a wee bit and have some fun with those guys and the still game set and whatnot, you know. And to your point, you know, it's been a weekend free. Just kind of pop down, pop over to Glasgow and shoot some scenes.
0: Yeah, but I think he never forgot his roots. I, I read a, a beautiful article um, the other day from uh, Elaine C. Smith. Mm-hmm. And she worked on him, of course, in, um, I think, was it Alfresco? Or um, i laugh laughing at of the license fee. Alfresco, I think. Right. She worked with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she knew Robbie and she said, you know, it was funny, um, like her, Tony Roper and Jonathan Watson and Robbie were all very close mm-hmm. and he kind of referred to them as uh, the, the kids, mm-hmm. even though Tony Roper's older than <laughs> yeah, uh, Coltrane was when he passed away, but yeah. Tony Roper, I think is like 82 <laughs> so 10 years older. <laughs> yeah. but he still referred to them as the kids and, and he always took an interest. And she said um, she was out shopping with her daughter and they bumped in to Robbie and it was like, you know, it, she said, I hadn't seen him for years yeah. and it was just like me and an old friend and they went out had a coffee yeah. and Elaine was doing panto at the time and she said, I had to like run to the theatre for something and she's like, oh, we better go and Robbie was like, oh, it's fine, I'll stay with your mm-hmm. daughter. Our daughter was 19, yeah. by the way, before, you know, yeah. um, so Elaine ran back to the theatre and then came back and she said like, Robbie and her daughter had just been chatting for an hour mm-hmm. and Robbie, like, said you know thanks good to see you and left and the daughter was like i can't believe you just left me with hagrid for an hour <laughs> like he was just the nicest man just chatted all asked me you know all about her and i think that yeah again says the, the kind of mark of the man and apparently whenever people have said that they met him like he didn't want to talk about what he'd been doing or showbiz he wanted to talk about nature or fishing or yeah, yeah. you know interest that he had like nothing about anything to do
1: with tv or film yeah He
0: just wanted to talk about the world and what was going on, and yeah,
1: just such a lovely guy. Of course, he was a big, um, a big fan of classic cars. Uh, I think he did he did Mm. a he did a sort of tour, a sort of show on BBC four years ago, um, where he, 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 he 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 drove on some of the UK's B roads. And doing sightseeing and things in a variety of classic cars. You know, that was his, that was apparently, along with acting, that was one of his passions.
0: I think this kind of sums up as well uh, Noel Fielding, very Mm -hmm. famous UK comedian from The Mighty Bush, the presenter now of The Bake Off. He was in a Kate Bush music video for Deeper Understanding with Robbie Coltrane. And he put out an Instagram post um, and he said, uh, It was a surreal experience. Uh, doing this, and I look back now and realize how lucky I had, how lucky I was to have the opportunity to hang out with this man. He was everything I wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. And Robbie and I laughed the whole time, and we kept in touch for ages afterwards. He would send me messages at odd times of the day from different countries. Oh, so I guess that answers our question about whether he was scared to travel right. or not. Um, and at random times of the day, and they would make me howl with laughter. I wish I still had those messages. They remain in my heart somewhere. Rest in peace, you mischievous twinkly powerhouse of a man. And that kind of is a perfect yeah. summarization of Robbie Coltrane. A massive twinkly powerhouse of a man. Yeah,
1: that's a really nice tribute. Anything else to say on Robbie Coltrane? No, Comtr- I don't I think I mean that seems like a seems like a nice way to to round it up, I think. Okay. Well, R.I.P. Robbie, um, you're
0: in our hearts. You obviously weren't famous enough to get a special like Sean Connery was, <laughs> but we've given you a, the start of this episode. But genuinely, um, I was, I was genuinely gutted yeah, yeah, when I, I read, and I think I broke the news to you, and and you yeah. sent me a message. You'd maybe a, you, I think you had a few beers at the time and you sent yeah. me back a message saying, "I'm,
1: I'm so cut up about this." <laughs> <I was. laughs> What I have I been doing? Uh, it was last week. It was last Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a few beers, <laughs> but no, yeah, but I was. You know. But genuinely, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no, it's it's strange when
0: yeah you know I, I, we've both suffered losses mm-hmm. um of parental figures yeah. and that cuts you know that obviously nothing can um compare to that, yeah. but it's always weird when someone famous that you you really look up to and uh, and I know we felt it with Conray i know i I felt it with Bowie yeah, yeah. um fuck I felt it with Darius like uh, <laughs> yeah. a couple of months ago yeah. you know genuinely i I was really caught up about that um and but Coltrane really did hit. So I'm really, yeah, yeah. saddened um, at his loss. Yeah. So Anyway, so, okay. right, uh, because we've spoken about that, we are going to cut the news a little bit shorter and just do one story each this week. Mm-hmm. So shall we have a look at what's been going on in Scotland this week, Greg? Cue the jingle.
2: Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation and
0: here... It's what's been going on in the news. Okay, so what have you seen this week, Greg, that has caught your eye and you want to share with me and our lovely listeners?
1: Well, I um, thought I would take a bit of a different approach to the news this week. So rather than people masturbating in public or various other horrendous things that we <laughs> occasionally discuss on this valley or regularly discuss, I found um, uh, an article about Golden Wonder Crisps. Um, oh, wow. And, you know, as a kid growing up in Scotland in the, in the 1980s, Golden Wonder Crisps seemed to be, like, the only crisps until, like, sort of sm- yeah. kind of Smith's Crisps came along with that cool advert with the potatoes singing underground. Um, so I found this article oh, about yeah. it. I remember, that was a great advert. Um, yeah. So, unfortunately, um, a lot of... Uh, The company, Golden Wonders, uh, historical documents and files got lost in a fire. But they're marking their 75th anniversary. You don't see them around as much anymore. But uh, the founder Mm. of the company, uh, his granddaughter, has spoken about the first time, uh, spoken, sorry, for the first time about how her grandfather started the company. So... Golden Wonder was started by a man, a baker, called uh, William Alexander in Edinburgh in the 1940s, Uh, when he came up with the idea, which completely changed his life and his family's life. And after finishing his morning's work in the bakery, he didn't want all his machines just to be sitting there not doing anything all day. So he started frying uh, finely sliced potatoes um, which mm. into the fryers, which they would normally use to make donuts for the bakery and then start mm-hmm. making crisps. Um, so that by 1964, so, so, so just under 20 years later, Golden Wonder was the biggest crisp company in the UK. Uh, it mm. was the first crisp company to make fl- a, fl- a different flavour of crisps because up, up until wow. 1962, the only crisps you could get were ready salted. And um, I don't know anybody... Mm-hmm apart from my wife, who will choose a packet of ready salted crisps out of a bag. Do you like it? Do you like You're the same.
0: Oh. I like ready-salted. I'd rather have cheese and onion right. or salt and vinegar, but I, I do like a pack of ready-salted crisps. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, the first um, the first flavoured crisp was cheese and onion, um, which I, mm. that was from Golden Wonder. So, yeah, oh, he has... He, William's eldest son... Uh, Norman was a radiographer at the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh, but his dad talked him into giving up his career in medicine and um, joining the crisp business with his dad. Uh, He was even dispatched to North America to buy special machinery that would de-starch the potatoes. Um, So Jennifer remembers, that's his granddaughter, she can remember going to the factory with her granddad, and her granddad giving her a big bag, a big poly bag of crisps straight off the assembly line, and she said, "This." She said, "The taste of hot crisps, fresh, is amazing." Apparently, so I've never had hot crisps before. Unfortunately, uh, over the years, uh, Golden Wonder sort of struggled to compete a little bit with, uh, despite having this, despite having four sites in the UK. Two in Scotland, one in Widnes, the north of England, and one in Corby in the Midlands. Um, they started to struggle a little bit. Uh, pot noodles, your younger listeners might not know, were, in, were created by Golden Wonder, and I remember, I remember when I read that when I was a kid that pot noodles had the Golden Wonder logo on them, But yeah. like they were created at, uh, at Golden Wonder's Welsh. Uh, site in Crumlin, um but unfortunately walkers uh took over as the uk's leading crisp manufacturer their decision to sell cheese and onion crisps in a blue packet when everybody knows that it should be in a green packet apparently still causes controversy all the other crisp manufacturers mm. took their cue from golden wonder because they put they package the cheese and onion and cream packaging walkers uh only did it where they think just to be controversial and get attention which obviously worked um so unfortunately uh, they, they, they closed their last scottish factory in Broxburn in 1987 there was a 54 and a half million pound buyout by by uh bridgepoint capital but now golden wonder crisps are owned by an irish uh, crisp manufacturer called tato which you may have they make good crisps tato i don't know if you've had them in mm-hmm. Ireland, they're uh, yeah. worth a they're uh, worth a bite. Um, um, and I found some Golden Wonder crisps. I think I sent you a picture uh, the, the the other week. I'd gone to Spinney's and um, mm-hmm. I bought a load of I went and bought a load of crap. <laughs> um, and I found the packet of Golden Wonder Smoky Bacon crisps, and very nice they were too. So yeah, I thought maybe some facts about Golden Wonder. I know that we like talking about food. That's on wonderful. Spiral. Yeah, it's golden wonderful. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. However, my memory is
0: Walkers didn't exist in Scotland until about the mid-90s. Yeah. And then they seemed to take over probably along about the time, like, Gary Lineker started doing their adverts. Mm -hmm. For me, it was always golden wonder. Yeah. And I, I have read online about this Mandela effect, about people saying, no, Walkers used to have cheese and onion crisps in a green pack and salt and vinegar in the blue, and then they swapped them over. No, that never happened. It's always been that way. But I wonder if people are thinking about Golden Wonder crisps. That maybe. Maybe thought about that from their childhood and they've misremembered. I will go on record to say I always preferred Golden Wonder to walkers. Mm-hmm. And I can say that without any xenophobia because I only discovered a few years ago that Golden Wonder were actually Scottish. Right. So hand on heart, I have always preferred Golden Wonder crisps to Walkers. There was something about Golden Wonder they were always a little bit more browner, like charred. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? Like they they had a bit of more texture about them. Walkers are all very anemic ...thin chips, yeah. but Golden Wonder had like a little bit of bubble and some of them were brown and it it you kind of and you would get you know what? Do you know do you miss that? You'll get that. There would always be at the bottom of a Golden Wonder pack this like one little brown crisp. Yeah. That it, I mean, it tasted like ash <laughs> when you you bit into it. It was like cheese and onion ash, but it was always in every packet. And I, yeah, I genuinely miss Golden Wonder.
1: Well, you can you can still get them. But they're just sort of harder to find. I mean, they, when I was a kid, it was Golden Wonder or Smith's crisps. And I think mm. I think Smiths made like Monster Munch and stuff as well. And mm-hmm. I remember Smiths made some yeah. where you put the salt in yourself. Remember the salt came in a wee blue bag. Yep, and you salt and shake, salt and shake. Yeah, um, and uh, but like, and they call this sort of like where my granny lived in the Milton in Glasgow, um, or in Kilsyth, where my other granny lived. If you, know, if you walked to the local shop, it was always Golden Wonder that they had there. You would find Smiths Crisp if you went into town or something. Um, but you know. So that you kind of grew up on them. They're called Golden Wonder because Golden Wonder are the type of potatoes that William felt were the best type of potatoes to make crisps. Um, mm. So that's that's I think that's why they're quite they're quite unique uh, compared to other crisp manufacturers. Other crisp.
0: There is a a wonderful documentary on Channel Four, and my wife and I watched it last year. And I know you've had a, an issue this week in terms of being able to access the mm. the four app. But I would say to our listeners, um, we watched that it's a a series called The Secret World Of, and it's Joe Brand narrating it. Right. But it goes into, um, so it's The Secret World Of, chocolate, biscuits, ice cream, burgers, sweets, sandwiches, cereal, and crisps Mm -hmm. is one of the episodes. And- we watched this episode, and they go into the whole history of Golden Wonder and the whole history of Walkers and how and Smiths and mm-hmm. how like Walkers bought out Smiths, mm-hmm. and like the guy from Smiths didn't want to sell, and it was like a Mexican standoff. Yeah. But well, that would have been tor- tortilla chips, <laughs> Um it was like a, a, a you know a Lancashire standoff, and then they ended up selling it. It's an amazing documentary. It's forty seven minutes long. It's on um, Channel Four. It's called The Secret World of crisps and i would highly recommend you to watch that to get a bit more insight into mm. the the big crisp history uh but yeah I, I agree i did that was what i remember when i was a kid it was golden wonder smith salt and shake and space raiders
1: yeah so uh yeah so like i think next time i'm down at the shop if i find some golden wonders i'll i'll stock up um keep them yeah. covered maybe introduce my kids to them you certainly should post a photo <laughs> on the instagram i will and uh let us all know what
0: golden wonder you have okay
1: So that was my first new news story, um, such as it was. What's what's your story this week?
0: Um, I've said this a couple of times on the Swally before, Greg, but when we envisage the Swally, this is the kind of story I envisaged us covering on the Culture Swally. So uh, this is from the Daily Record last week, and the headline is... Scott's mum all shook up after (laughs) discovering the face of Elvis in a McDonald's ketchup pot. The article reads, A Scot's mum was stunned to discover the face of Elvis staring back at her from a pot of McDonald's ketchup. Lisa Ringsell from Dundee did a double take when she glanced down at the near-empty pot of tomato sauce and spotted the uncanny likeness to the king. Appearing back on Sunday night. Striking images of the saucy singer show a clearly defined head complete with trademark quiff, eyes, mouth and sideburns. After taking a quick snap of the doppelganger dip, the 27-year-old scooped the last of the sauce out, meaning Elvis had left the building, <laughs> before she binned the container. You can tell this, uh, the writer has had a fucking feel with <laughs> yeah, this I article. <laughs> uh, Lisa said, I was just dipping my chicken nuggets into the sauce pot, and at the end, I saw a tiny face staring at me, and it appeared to be Elvis. I looked in the pot, debating if there was enough sauce to dip again, and then I saw him. As soon as I saw him, immediately I said, what? And showed my partner. I said to him, this looks like Elvis. I took a photo straight away and showed some friends. They were just laughing about it. <laughs> they could see the resemblance too. Uh, the full-time mum and 26-year-old removal company worker ordered a takeaway from the Long Town Road branching McDonald's in Dundee at- 8.50pm on Sunday. That is vital details, Greg. (laughs) Uh, The pair ordered two chicken, uh, two mayo chickens, two double cheeseburgers and 20 chicken nuggets. Fucking hell, did they have guests round? Um, And they arrived with two pots of sweet and sour sauce and two ketchups. As Lisa was about to dunk a chicken nugget in one of the near-empty but she appeared inside and was stunned to see the king staring back at her. Uh, Lisa, who is a mum to Karis Ewan and, oh, sorry, Karis Ewan, six, and Daisy Ewan, four, right. showed Dean before sending a picture to pals. She said, I don't usually notice these things, which made it even funnier. I get more excited with silly things. Dean wasn't <laughs> as excited as me, but I still thought it was funny. It's something I won't forget for a long time. My mum's an Elvis fan. She loved it. <laughs> <For> fuck's sake. <laughs> the takeaway was just for me and my partner. As the kids had already eaten, why are you ordering fucking 20 chicken nuggets if your kids have eaten? After I took the picture, I dipped my chicken nugget and it was the last of my sauce pot. If it wasn't for the food, um, I would have kept it. But it would have turned bad. So I couldn't keep it. <laughs> but it's made me more likely to look for faces in the future. Now Greg, I have just sent you this image of Elvis in the pot. Now, is it me or does this look more like Alvin Stardust than Elvis? <laughs> it, it
1: looks it looks like a sort of like of Funko Pop version of Elvis. But yeah, I mean it could be Alvin Stardust, I mean fuck it, it could be Gary Glitter, it could be it could be anybody.
0: <laughs> I wasn't going to mention Uncle Gary on this <laughs> podcast, Greg, but um yeah, I did think. That. No, uh, come on, it looks like Alvin Stardust. Yeah. It doesn't look like Elvis. It looks fuck all like maybe Elvis. The, I
1: know... um it maybe looks like Alvin Stardust with one of those sort of head microphones that Madonna made really popular on her Vogue tour in the 1990s, you know?
0: So, when we envisaged this podcast, I thought about this, like, what are the fucking shittest news stories in Scotland <laughs> that a newspaper has to fucking troll the depths of disparity to come up with a news story like fuck's sake we need someone for page 14 what are we going to come up with why is this made national news why is this is the daily record this is scotland's national newspaper why the fuck is this made (laughs) real scots read the record and sunday mail that's what they told us back in the day why why are they reporting about this (laughs) about chicken
1: nuggets you know i think one of the problems that newspapers have now is that they, they, they have obviously they have to have a an a website they can online and you've got to have you've got to keep that news going all all the time you know what i mean um i mean i i, I find there's things that would rarely have made the paper you know what i mean uh that back in the day because you've only got a finite amount of pages to fill with news and sport and what's on the telly and the bingo numbers and maybe a Lassie wear tits out if it's the sun, <laughs> you know, but because it's because they're online, they kind of need to just story after story i mean there's been there's been stories like this before in the past, like people that have seen like the face of Jesus on their toast. I remember that years ago it wasn't a Scottish story I can't remember it, but it just may have been but it was national news where somebody who saw the face of Jesus and like the condensation in their, in their window or something like that you know
0: oh Greg I can tell you now I've got the article oh. up. <laughs> um, so um, in the past we have seen Rory McElroy's face in a Danish pastry <laughs> we have seen Margaret Thatcher in a bottle top we have seen Kate Middleton's face in a jelly bean we've seen Jesus on a pair of socks we have seen Jesus in a damp patch behind a sound system, yep. we have seen possibly my favourite Jesus on a non bread.
1: <laughs> uh, we have seen. Well, it figures that Jesus would seen- have liked non breads, or like stuff like that, because he was obviously yeah, it was from Asia. <laughs> you know, we have seen. Um, in fact, I'm going to send you this
0: right now, and you tell me who this is meant to be, okay. because who's this meant to
1: be, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> um. I can see two <laughs> eyes, a nose, a big nose, I guess, and a smile, and a smile. I don't, I don't know who is it supposed to be. It's meant to be Susan Boyle
0: in a <laughs> Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> So yeah, there's been a lot of this over the years, but yeah, it, it oh, come on, it, it Elvis in a pot of ketchup, just dipped. Dip. it. I bet she's drawn that, and oh come on, it's ridiculous. It's Alvin Stardust if anything. My cockatoo, that should have been the headline.
1: <laughs> How do you feel about? um Did you watch the this uh, recent movie about Elvis? I did. I loved did it, like yeah, it. Did I you like it? Loved
0: it. And are you? Are yeah, are you really, a fan I really of Elvis? Um. I, oh. <laughs> I'm a bit worried about uh discussing this because I remember texting you at the time that I was watching this. However, much like when I told you Robbie Coltrane had passed away, I think you'd had a few shanties at the time. And the, the level of vitriol you had about Elvis was quite <laughs> scaring. I was quite scared how much you were like, I fucking hate Elvis. So... um yes i really enjoyed the elvis film um would i say i was a fan of elvis no i think he has some good songs i i i, I don't mind elvis
1: actually hmm. but I, I i know you're not a big fan of the king i'm, I'm not that you know i mean it's it, it does sounds like i might have had a one or two drinks that the night that <laughs> <just> discussed elvis <laughs> um like i i'm not i'm not a fan of elvis i know that a lot of people are. And I know that to a lot of people is very, very important, but I could never see what all the fuss was about, to be honest. You know, for somebody who had, you know, who for somebody who's like the majority of their kind of innovative and creative output came in the 1950s. And, you know, I know that the sort of 70s Elvis is very popular with people, but to me, it just seemed like a bit of a Character of himself, you know, try to do try to do kung fu and those fucking mad one piece suits and stuff on the stage, and but like you know, I would I would never deem to be horrible about Elvis because uh, in in public because <laughs> I know how I know how important he is to a lot of people. I I
0: texted you um, when we are watching it, and I said we're watching Elvis. He was fucking awesome, and you replied, agree to disagree. I said, suspicious minds. <laughs> And you replied, fat. <laughs> 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 Just not my back. <laughs> I'm not saying the songs for shit, but to your point, often other acts have done better. That's when I said to you, um, actually, I prefer the Fine Young Cannibals version of Suspicious Minds. Yeah. Um, and then you've said, um, if you don't eat your hula hoops like this as a kid, and you've taken a picture of you with hula hoops and all your fingers, <laughs> then you were a fucking <laughs> like Elvis. <laughs> uh. So that's that's what I thought you uh, you thought of Elvis. <laughs> what, um, <laughs> anyway,
1: what uh, what uh, Elvis song did the communards do? Again, have a uh, the communards. Um... I was watching uh, Top of the Pops 1986 the other day, and because um, it's Jimmy Somerville with a, a woman with a very deep voice that he duets with on it. Oh, uh,
0: the communards did, don't leave me this way. That's it, yeah. That's the one, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, oh,
0: again, that's a better well, it's version. A, it's a brilliant of... version, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing song. Um. And I've just stumbled upon, actually, the seven best... Oh, you know what? I, I'm a fucking convert to you now, Greg. Elvis was a shite bag. Like, <laughs> listen, the, the, you know... No, but listen to this, right? This is, I found the, um, the seven of the best Elvis covers, right? And right. I've, I've just looked at the top three, and I, I wholeheartedly agree these are better than the originals. So we have done Fine Young Cannibal, Suspicious Minds. Yeah, yep. I think we're both in agreement. That is a fucking belter of a song. Yeah? Banger, yeah. Yeah, absolute banger. And then we've done The Communards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't leave me this way. So I will give you the next one, always on my mind. Pet Shop Boys. The Pet Shop oh, Boys. class. Yeah. Banger, exactly, yeah. fucking banger. Now this could be a bit of debate. However, I'd love this song. You be forty, can't help falling in
1: love. Yeah, again,
0: yeah, yeah. Class. Dolly Parton did a cover of In the Ghetto, right? Which I'm not really familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joel apparently did a cover of All Shook Up, which I'm not really familiar with either. And Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers did a cover of Wooden Heart, which again I don't know I'm not one. really familiar with. But I would say that. The Pet Shop Boys, Fun Young Cannibals and The Comunards, three absolute bangers yeah. and better than the original, I would say.
1: We should, we should try and persuade Frankie Goes to Hollywood to get together again and do like Suspicious Minds or something. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've been down a real rabbit hole of like 80s pop over the last um, couple of weeks. Like I've been watching those like that top of the pops where right, there's like sort of top of the pops of a year. There's a lot of them on YouTube. Uh, the 1986 one was was brilliant. And remember Sunita, yeah, so of course she she is on that being interviewed, and they're showing footage of her mm-hmm. in the eighties doing yeah, uh, he's got to be so macho, oh, I think it was the song, right, yeah, she, that was it, yeah, she looks exactly the fucking same,, I'm not yeah. exaggerating, like she looks exactly the same, she's not aged a yeah. second in like all <sighs> 35 years,
0: yeah there's something sinister about Sunita
1: (laughs) in terms of um, her aging
0: and because she keeps like pulling back her age because I think she was in a newspaper article recently and I can't remember what she said her age was but if you look back then she effectively released so macho when she was 12 (laughs) if if you're led to believe the age she says she is now and you're like okay I know the 80s was a different time however I don't think that Was right or would have been allowed even then. So I'm not sure. But yeah, Tanita's a bit of a a mystery.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, if she recorded it when she was 12, it does confirm my long held suspicion that Simon Cowell is a. Um, well, that's
0: why, in fact, I don't know if we should say that. In it's a, fuck it, it's a podcast. I mean, that's why Simon Cowell has um, kept Sinita around for all these mm-hmm. years, because he, uh, she has some dirt on it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Without a shadow of a doubt. She has some absolute fucking golden wonder dirt <laughs> yeah. on Simon Cowell. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he kind of continually pays her to be around Yeah. So, uh, well, that rounds up the Elvis news um, <laughs> <laughs> this week on the podcast. Have you seen anything else this week, Greg? No, no not seen anything else. Um, okay, well, this is usually the time that I say, let's have a little word from our sponsors. But we have no sponsor this week, Greg. However, I want to take the time to talk about a wonderful podcast that is also on the Scottish network. So, Mum's Mysteries and Murder is presented by Marty and Effie, who delve into some amazing topics covering true crime and mysterious happenings. They give incredible local knowledge, and the insight they give to each episode is honestly, it's brilliant and so hilarious. Uh, They are so well-researched and informative, and we are lucky enough to possibly be collaborating with them next month on a very special episode with more details to follow very soon. This is an episode you will not want to miss. So we hugely recommend Mums, Mysteries and Murder, but hey, don't take it from me and Greg, take it from Marty and Effie.
2: Hi, I'm Marty and I'm Effie and we would love you to come and join us on our podcast, Mums, Mysteries and Murder.
3: Each month we take turns telling you true crime stories and mysteries from our places of birth, Australia and Scotland. I'm covering Australia. What's your favourite thing about Australia, Marty?
2: It would have to be the weather and the meat pies.
3: The meat pies are strong in Australia.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The meat pie game is good.
3: (laughs) really are. I'm covering Scotland.
2: What's your favourite thing about Scotland?
3: Macaroni pies and haggis. Macaroni.
2: (laughs) Macaroni should not be in a pie. Have you tasted one, though? No, I don't need to. It's It's like Mars bars. It's amazing. (laughs) If you
3: love podcasts that are on point, heavily researched, and full of gruesome details,
2: that's probably not as... But if you do love a bit of true crime chat, Netflix recommendations and random banter, we do talk about last meals a lot, don't we?
3: Yeah, but it's a good topic.
2: Macaroni pie for <laughs> <the> last meal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Me pie. Then come join us where you get your podcasts and we would love it if you would subscribe so you don't miss new episodes.
3: Come follow us on Instagram at Mums Mysteries and Murder.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: So it was your choice this week, Nikki. So why don't you introduce the TV show that we're talking about today? Ah, oh,
0: thanks, Greg. Well, in May this year, we covered Series 1 of this show. So I thought we should do the second series. So I'd like to look at the second series of 2003's The Book Group. Airing in January of 2003, just seven months after the end of the first series, it picks up with the members of the group around six, seven months later, and we discover what Claire, Kenny, Rab, Janice, Fist, Durka, and Lachlan have been up to and welcome a few new members to the cast and also to the group. Channel 4 put some promotion behind this, uh, the the second series of the show this time, and they showed the first series again, and they launched a nationwide poster campaign to promote the second series of the show. Now, I watched this when it first aired, Greg, mm-hmm. and it was the, the only time I've actually watched the second series. The first series I watched multiple times, but the second series I'd only watched when it very first aired now I know when we covered the first series you said you'd never seen the first series so I can only presume you hadn't seen the second series
1: <laughs> no apart from accidentally watching the first 10 minutes of the first episode of the second series when I was yes. watching the first series for the for the podcast no I oh, don't cheeky, never cheeky boy yeah <laughs> I'd never seen it um until until this week I know you really
0: enjoyed. The first series mm. of the big group, which we covered, let's say back in May, I think episode forty-six, I think, were yeah. available wherever your podcasts. How did you find the second series compared to the first?
1: I really enjoyed being with those characters again. You know, it was being with you know being with Janice and Rab and Claire and Kenny and Fist um, and, and Ed Durka, You know, um, I I enjoyed this series, but it feels it feels quite. Different to the first series In in a few ways You know yeah. and, it, and it definitely feels like They had a third series in mind Especially the last couple of episodes You know with the, Where the characters go and stuff you, I kind of felt like They might have expected to do a third series And kind of round it off maybe But okay. um I don't know if you felt like that, but, um, you know, it's good. You know, they, 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 the thing is, they're all, uh, it's really, really well acted. And the characters are all great to be around. You know what I mean? Um, you find yourself looking forward to the scenes with uh, uh, Fist and Durka arguing about stuff. And, um, and they, I mean, the standout for me in this series uh, is Michelle Gomez. I just Every time she was on the screen, I just thought she's absolutely fantastic. But but the the series itself, it it, it does feel a little different. The the character of Claire feels, to me, she feels quite different to how she is in the first series. You know, she's kind of, I don't know, she's sort of ditzy and the whole dynamic when her sister turns up and things. um, And her relationship with Lachlan, played by uh, James Lance. Yeah, what about you? How did you feel about the second series? I'd agree with you.
0: I think maybe that's why I didn't watch the second series so much. I really enjoyed it watching it again and I I feel exactly as you did. It's so nice to be back with these characters. I mm-hmm. I fucking love these characters. Like they're so great and it's so nice. And the way it's shot, you almost feel like you're part of the book group mm-hmm. in a way. It it it's so welcoming. But the second series did lack something that the first series did and i don't know if it's maybe the charm or the the fact it was new i mean straight off the bat why did they change the opening the opening is a boat going across a loch yeah why the the opening was perfect of all the houses and okay Mm. i can see maybe why because claire obviously no longer lives in her house but you can still have her plumping up the futon in the warehouse or or something it's I didn't get the the thinking behind it. Maybe I missed something massive in terms of this boat going across the lock, but I didn't get why that was the,
1: the opening. When I watched the first episode and that opening came on, I thought that we were going to start off like... In the Highlands, maybe you know the story's got to start mm. off in the Highlands. But the only time that the sort of closest we get to the Highlands is when um, Evaclyn and Claire take her sister to walk Lomond. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I it.
0: think it it kicks off well, and it offers a little bit more because. And they can do this because it's the second series. So the characters are already established. Yeah. So whereas the first series, let's take Rav, for example, it's like episode three before. It's kind of, it's not even confirmed, but it's kind of hinted on that he's bisexual with Jackie and and stuff Mm. in series one. Whereas episode one, we're straight into him getting bummed by (laughs) Anselmo. Um, And there's no qualms about what's going on it, it it's not subtly done similarly you know in in terms of things like about um Fist being obsessed with her weight and and, mm. and Lachlan and Claire's relationship there's no if you haven't seen series 1 of this don't expect to understand what's going on in series 2 yeah. straight away you're yeah. you're meant to have seen series 1 and i like that because it's straight in there's no backtracking of oh so yeah Kenny's in a wheelchair because of this and mm-hmm. you know Claire's living with Lachlan because Barney's like d- no straight in and here we go here's the characters you know who they are let's go and I really like that because there's no backstory. you're instantly into it and they don't waste time having to pad out the characters
1: yeah yeah and but I think you know they there's a bit of a disconnect though from the first series they sort of Kenny's romantic motivations are a bit weird mm. in this one because like in the first series he's clearly he's he's he's, he's clearly very attracted to Claire, you know, and she's mm-hmm. she's attracted to him as well, but she she doesn't seem as sure about how to approach it as he does. But then in this one, you know, he's she's in this relationship with Lachlan He meets um Carol Ann, I think in the first episode played by the late uh, Kerry McGregor. And that lasts for, like... They, they He breaks up with her, and it's not... And you, and you sort of think, oh, he's breaking up with her because of his feelings for Claire. But yeah. then he, he immediately... Even though him and Claire have that moment when she comes around to his house, he, goes, he ends up going straight out with... The publisher's daughter you know what I mean? I mean i don't really understand you know are they you know what I mean, that's why i thought well maybe they'll reconcile that one way or another in the third series you know or yeah. are they were planning to do that you know i don't
0: know i agree with that because i in my notes i'm like why did he dump caroline and the reason he gives is because we're both in wheelchairs like we look like a club or something and yeah. but that's not really the reason. But as you say, I, I thought it was because he is, you know, he likes Claire. Mm-hmm. But then as you say, why does he go off for Harriet if yeah. that's the case? I mean, because she's a trophy shag, as he later describes her. But yeah. come
1: on, why? Oh, it's a bit strange. Yeah, and like, when I saw when Kerry McGregor came on the screen, and I was like, who is who is that actress? Um, And I had to like immediately pause it. And Google because it was getting to my nerves, and I, forget, I forgot she was she was on X Factor after yeah. being in the book Group. She was a singer songwriter. So I'm
0: probably one of the few rare people that when I saw her on X Factor, I was like, "That's her from the Big Group." Because <laughs> <laughs> I I remember watching that series of the X Factor, and yeah. when she turned up, I was like, "Oh my god, that's her from the Big Group." So I'm probably one of the the rare people that um, recognise her the back way, if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: yes it does make sense so um yeah i just you know I, I just it was a bit it was a bit strange like the i think of all the characters who sort of who kind of go on a journey from the first series into the second series it's uh it's janice um mm. you know played by michelle gomez you know with her and sort of talking herself into this job as a reporter <laughs> for the newspaper on farming um but she's just she's so funny. They like, whether it's you know, like, they, in the last episode when she turns up to uh, <laughs> Claire's sister's wedding, visa wedding, and she because she thinks it's fa- it's Mexican dress and she's got the sort of this sort of señorita dress on, she comes in and does a little foot tappy thing and goes, oh, like, just she's just so I, I, I like a really warm, funny, eccentric character, and she's just. She's just. I think Michelle Gomez is just brilliant at those types of roles.
0: It's the for me. It, it's the physical comedy that she does, in <laughs> yeah. in this series, in terms of as you say, that coming in and dancing, and then mm-hmm. obviously headbutting. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's it? Um, Sp- Spanish footballer. Uh, yeah. The, the, I can't remember name right now. And then she falls on the floor, and then even prior to that, that some of the the physical aspects that she does is just. Hilarious, and she mm. just puts everything she's got into this role, as yeah. Janice, and she's just absolutely outstanding.
1: It's her eyes, you know what I mean? She's got these really wide but really intense eyes, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I say I just thought she was absolutely brilliant in it this time, really. I mean, she was good enough, she's brilliant in the first series, but I really think in the second series, and it sort of makes it you know, like she's Janice, uh, is in series two she's, you know, you can see that transition from the first series to Janice in series two. Um, yeah. Whereas like with Claire, I just felt that the character changed a bit too much, you know, going from series one to series two.
0: I wonder if the character of Claire changed because, I mean, you can already see in the first episode when it's it's well established, she's in a relationship with Lachlan, who is of course Barney's brother mm-hmm. from Series one, Barney obviously tragically died from a drug overdose, Lachlan his brother, Clara, and Barney in a relationship. You can tell straight away, and this is what I really liked about the, the subtle way they've done it, you can tell Claire's over it already. She's not yeah. into it. Yeah, and yeah. She's trying to read Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. And Lachlan is such a beautiful, kind-hearted soul. His first line, he comes in, I've brought you a branch. Okay. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's like, oh thanks muffin she's reading don quixote can we read it together yeah oh, i haven't finished yet and he's such a, a lovely soul but you can t- just tell claire is so over this mm. however with the introduction of her sister jean gives her a bit of a a dynamic spark and it's great at the start of episode two when she finds out jean's coming she literally throws a tantrum like you know, screaming and, oh no, she's horrible. She comes. Now, the introduction of Jean is, is I think, a good element to this series. And, mm-hmm. and I did, I, I, initially, I, I didn't like the character, but I grew to really like her and she was very funny. However, my main plot hole and point of Jean's character is she landed 20 minutes ago at Prestwick Airport from <laughs> New York. Yeah. And she's got time to get through passport control, get her bags... <laughs> have a coffee and still be annoyed that Lachlan and Claire are late picking her up (laughs) in what planet I know this was 2003 but it was after 9-11 so airport restrictions were a little bit tighter in what what world does oh her plane landed 20 minutes ago well yeah fine we'll probably still got an hour before she'll (laughs) yeah exactly come out it's an international flight it's not like we're flying into Aberdeen airport and we're literally out within five minutes yeah. it's a Pressbook airport okay it's, it's not the biggest it, it's not like it's Shipall or Dubai airport it's a small airport but still mm-hmm. you're not going to be landing 20 minutes and sitting having
1: finished a coffee no no for sure um yeah. She's um I mean I I wasn't quite as in love with the uh that the character as is, is that, you know. I mean I I think maybe she was added so Claire had like another was another American character and maybe is a sort of the sort of opposite of Claire in some ways. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, Claire's a frustrated writer. She turns up, she manages to write and get a book pu- get a book published, you know, just through sheer force of will, uh kind of pretty quickly. And then they going back to Lachlan. The one the one thing about this series that struck me compared to the first series is although there's not tons and tons of sex in it when there is it's pretty graphic <laughs> Do you know what I mean yeah you know from from the fairly graphic sex with Rab and the Spanish footballer to Claire well to that first episode when Lachlan sort of wakes Claire up and to have sex and pours olive oil all over himself and her but when he runs off to get it you see James Vance's bollocks swinging as he runs to the kitchen. And then when he's running back to the bed with the olive oil, he seems to be sort of fluffing himself a little bit on the way there. <laughs> so, and then even, like, the, the episodes with, uh, with uh, Claire's sister when she's doing her the escort research with Frank Gallagher. And we mm. see uh, Frank Gallagher's, like, ejaculate go flying up in the air. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. None of this in the first series. <laughs>
0: I would agree. It does get a little bit more graphic. Yeah. And yeah, that scene with Frank Gallagher is is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it does get a a little bit more graphic in terms of the the sexual content. Mm. Um, I don't know. I I think Jean is kind of a a welcome addition. Claire needed someone to to kind of go against and butt heads with because that was kind of the whole point of the first series. She was butting Mm. heads with everyone. Yeah, but and and that's what I loved as we covered the first series. I loved it so much. The ending that it just pans out of the window, and they're all just happy and enjoying themselves, and they're a proper group. Yeah. Whereas this series, it it's quite disjointed, and everyone has their issues, and and Gene kind of comes in to maybe not destroy, but kind of break it apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I did find her irritating to start with, but then she did grow on me when she kind of yeah. as she progressed throughout the series and she built herself up and it and, and it's quite funny you know in terms of she's getting married to Frank Gallagher's character uh, Dougal for visa reasons and Claire's like ah oh, just throw them away it's fine it's <laughs> yeah. like you've been here for over a year oh yeah no it's okay I mean Claire's going to get into a lot of trouble <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> for, for having extended her visa yeah really
1: I mean, going back to what you mentioned before about the first series I think where this series suffers a bit is that there's not enough scenes of all the group together talking about their books, yeah. you know, like you know, that was the sort of foundation of the. Well, I mean, it's, it's called the book group, for fuck's sake, but that's the kind of foundation of the first series. Mm-hmm. And I th- you know, and some of the best scenes in the first series are when they're all gathered together in one of someone's living room, uh, talking about the book, you know. And there's a couple of them, a few moments, but you know, but not not as many.
0: No, I would agree with you. I mean, the, the, some of the standout scenes uh, in the first series are, as you say, about the group, uh, the book, mm-hmm. like the little engine that could. Yeah. is yeah. The. That scene is just epic. You know, it's all about fucking trains, Janice. <laughs> it's wonderful. But yeah, you're right. In this series, I could hardly tell in some episodes what book they were reading. Yeah. Whereas the first series, the focus was on the book. Yeah. And then it was, and an okay, at some points in the series, okay, the, you have the, um, the, the sexual life of Catherine M, which mm-hmm. is obviously a sex book, which leads to probably my favourite part of the second series, when Rab is describing the best part he liked.
2: I liked it when she was in that park and there's all the lorry drivers, right? And they're all like firing into it like that. And then the police turned up, right? And she's banging away like that. And the police are there and she's looking. Like... And and she, she doesn't know if the police are going to join in or no.
0: <laughs> but yeah, you're right. They they don't really go into. I mean, I think the series uh, episode. Three or four is like about Spanish poetry. They read a, a yeah. poetry book. And of course, that's when um, Carol Ann turns up and mm-hmm. delivers the. she reads her favorite poem. But you're right. There's not a lot of emphasis on the books. Yeah. In this series.
1: Yeah. Like I mentioned before, the, uh, the scenes that I, I, I continue to look forward to in this series are the scenes with uh, Fist and Durka because Durka is pregnant. And, um, Is there a reason
0: for that, Greg?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, they're both gorgeous, but they're also really funny. You know, they, when they're arguing yeah. about, about uh, you know, when Fist Cat understands why Dirk has got herself pregnant <laughs> on, on purpose. And then she, with her deciding that she wants a baby as well, but she doesn't want to, you know, she wants to just find somebody intelligent to get her pregnant. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but the the only thing is like it sort of it, it sort of runs out of steam a wee bit when she sort of gets back together with her Bart, her boyfriend from the first series. Yeah. And they the, the the whole sort of um the whole kind of wife swap scene, you know, it doesn't really come to anything. Like there's you you sort of get the sense that something has happened that neither girl is very happy about. In the when they do the the partner, sw- although we don't see what happens, but um, when they when they do the partner swapping because they're very tense with each other afterwards and they're being they're sniping each other and then of course uh, what's it Linus Durka's husband Lars he turns up at uh, Lars yeah, yeah. It, it, he turns up at the end of the episodes like episode five they could. Fisky hole crying, try to get in. Um and it's like, Well what's I don't really know what's happened here, you know?
0: Well that's what I wondered that too, because obviously you have the whole wife swap scenario and when you watch the episode obviously you see it kind of from behind Durka's and um Bart's perspective and Durka seems quite into that swap so, so I initially thought that was maybe why Fist was pissed off um because there is a a kind of animosity between them yeah um when they they meet for that final book group of course as you say you you see Lars coming to uh Fist's Mm. door, asking for just a kiss, just a kiss. Yeah. Kissing the people. I, I don't know why. I can only presume maybe the actress was actually pregnant or had some other engagements that she couldn't film the last episode. But the last episode really missed Durka. Yeah, for sure. Like The the book group's not complete without Durka there. Yeah. And I, I can take the not having Barney there because we have Lachlan there, because, mm-hmm. of course, it's James an yeah. actor. Yeah. And that's what, again, we kind of need to discuss, the, the difference in character. I mean, how where do you stand on the Barney- Lachlan debate because I like Barney from Series Money. he's a bit of a dick mm-hmm. obviously he's a junkie he's a a kind of know-it-all like well pretends he's a know-it-all Lachlan is just a an absolute sweetheart but a bit kind of misguided and where do you stand on the Barney Lachlan debate?
1: Um, I mean I think what, what I liked about you know and I guess it's, it's a sort of testament to James Lance is that the characters are Totally different, you know what I mean? Like you, mm. you, you, you don't see a little trace of Barney and Vance, uh, Vance's performance of Lacklin. You know, I think, you know, they they obviously want to clear to have a boyfriend. He had to be somebody who uh, she could be a, the sort of stronger character of the two, I guess. Be, be not stronger, would be the more sort of dominant character of the two. Yeah, you know, like he's he's a bit of an, he's a bit unusual. There's a, there's a scene, of course, where he. He tries it on with Jane at the swimming baths and ends up falling in and and hurting himself. And then he sort of becomes a bit of a. After that, he becomes a bit of a kind of whipping post, you know. Like Claire's obviously fed up with him. She's, you know, she, her and Kenny have that moment in Kenny's flat, and then Lachlan is, you know, has been sick over the fire escape at the wedding in the last episodes, and he hurts his back again and all that sort of stuff. But then, but he, he, he constantly wants to. Have sex. He has this sort of bohemian, uh, sort of new age attitude where he keeps asking her if they should have intercourse. Should we have intercourse? You know, and she's like, oh, "I'm going to go and read." And he's like, oh, okay, okay, great. I might have a wank." <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I I I like Lackland. I mean, I I did like Barney as well. I was quite, I was I was a little bit perplexed when they decided to kill him off in the last series. Yeah, you know, I thought, I wonder what sort of drove that decision to to write the character out, but then keep the actor around playing a different character. But you know, I, I don't mind Barney too much. I thought he was, he was he's, he's, he's got some good scenes for sure.
0: I mean, when they killed off Barney, I genuinely thought it was because, well, James Lance was a up and coming mm-hmm. English actor. He'd been in Alan Partridge, he'd been in a few other things. So I thought, okay, they've killed him off because he's probably just going to be In one one series. series, For them then to pop up as a different character in the second series, it was like, okay, a little bit perplexed as to why they've done this, but I can see it does work. I mean, I really like Lachlan. I think he's a sweet guy and he's a good foil-ish for Claire. But what I didn't understand about Claire's character in this series is there are two episodes, I think it's episode one and maybe episode four, where she has like a hot flush And she's sweating and she has to get air. And I didn't know if they were leading to her being pregnant or if, if there was some sort of illness that she had, but it didn't seem to go anywhere. No, There's two very clear parts where she has this hot flush and, of course, um, Kenny has to look after her when um, when she goes round to his, mm-hmm. and of course, nice little bit of signal. I presume it's on purpose that Kenny's left her a muffin, which
1: is yeah, of course what yeah. she calls Lachlan.
0: Now, it never really was explained to me why she was doing that. You know, was she ill? Was she pregnant? What was going on there?
1: Don't know. I mean, I I, I thought you know it's maybe it's her becoming overwhelmed with it with the situation or whatever you know, something like that. A bit of a panic attack or something. But you know, but there's a lot I think the, the only I think the, the only characters who seem to have a sort of starting point and an ending point in this second series are Rab and Janice. You know, Janice she starts a new career, she becomes quite infatuated with Rab, they have a bit of a thing, and then you know at at the end the farmers have all turned up to ask her to represent them in the Scottish Parliament. And Rab, you know, he starts off at the training camp with Jackie. He has a thing with the Spanish footballer, him and Jackie fall out, and then, you know, he decides that he's he's going to Spain to be with this um to be with this guy that he really likes. And at the at the end of the episode obviously at the end of the last episode, we know that Rab's gonna go off to Spain with uh with his new Spanish boyfriend. We know, you know, Jackie he's he's sort of come to terms with his sexuality as well. You know, he's quite open about it. He just sort of turns up kind of matter of factly with his with his friends, whereas, you know, in all the other episodes when he's in that group, he never sort of betrays his Sexuality to the group, you know. He he, he, he sort of just comes across mm. as a sort of fairly normal straight fella. um So like you know, so he's he's got he's got like a proper arc in the story as Janice does. But to your point, you know, the clear thing, you know, she she's gone from being the kind of lead character in the first series that it all kind of revolves around to t- taking a not. I wouldn't say a back seat, but she's I wouldn't I wouldn't describe her as. The, the main character in this second series. Then you've got Kenny, you know, he's got that story going on with, he gets his book published and he starts working another book, you know, inexplicably has two serious relationships over the six episodes and, an om- you know, in a moment with Claire. You know, Lachlan, you know, his character just seems to be, exists to be, Claire's boyfriend, although we have the scene with him with his installation that he does at the swimming baths, um and the, the scene we mentioned before when he hits on Jane and falls in the in the um in the swimming pool. And then this the whole Durka and Fist thing that we just spoke about it at length, like their storylines don't really go anywhere. When Durka leaves in episode five, it's it's fairly like it's fairly really underwhelming exit you know there's no yeah. sort of it's kind of played down she just says goodbye to everybody she hugs a few people and i hope you'll come and visit me in sweden and all she goes and then with fist i mean not really sure what's going on there you know is she back with bart is she not is she still trying to get pregnant has she changed her mind all these things are just left hanging which is why i keep going back to it i'm sure that they're I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least a treatment for a third series if not some scripts mm. you know well i think you could be right i had resolution
0: at the end in my notes, because obviously we have Rab off to Spain with Anselmo, happy, cheeky, cheeky. (laughs) We have Kenny is off to write Peaks in the Mist 2, more Peaks in the Mist. Janice is off to become MMSP Mm -hmm. for the farmers, which is wonderful. Derrica is back in Sweden, and probably having a baby and, and maybe more. Fist, I think she is back with Bart, because in the last episode, they're in the bookshop. Mm -hmm. And that's when he famously says, oh, do you know in the Netherlands, the the Spines Spines go this way? But uh, it's not true. I went to my bookshop last week and double-checked, and it's not true. (laughs) It might have been true back in 2003, but I can safely say now that it's not true. Jean is married to Dougal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're happy in their visa marriage. The only couple that... I don't really have a what happens next for, is Claire and Lachlan. And it is because it's kind of undecided between them because Claire obviously wants to leave him. Lachlan knows that she wants to leave, but he's clinging on to it. And, you know, Gene buys him the sofa at the end. So it's kind of like, okay, is that it? Are they just going to be there, live in the warehouse? I I would love to have seen a third series. And I know it was never commissioned, Mm. but there was a film in development in 2006 it was right. apparently being okay. about to start being written but it fizzled out and never actually happened so i i think this is all we're going to get for yeah. these characters but i would love to see a book group reboot effectively and see what these characters are up to
1: nowadays so maybe claire i don't maybe she's back in america I'd, well well say she's still in scotland still trying to get a book out or maybe, she, maybe she's She's had a book published, but it's not been particularly yeah. successful. Kenny's a sort of made probably a one-man sort of Mills and Boone, Barbara Cartland type yeah. industry, firing the books out every year, but he's not finding them particularly satisfying. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey would have done wonders for Kenny's book career. <laughs> yeah. So he would have rocketed up with uh, kilt yeah. and cock. <laughs> kilt. <laughs> I I mean you know like I've I've heard I've seen uh, Scottish people acting in pornography and it's you know it's kind of like it's sort of like maybe hearing your parents <laughs> or your or your mates or your mates ne- your your flatmate next door with his girlfriend or something like that it's uh, it's kind of weird. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know, like, if I was speculating, like, what, like Rab, what would Rab be up to now? You know, I think, you know, Janice might have gone on to maybe have a distinguished career as an MP, but then have recently been disgraced for some reason. You know what I mean? Just for, maybe she's still not very good at controlling her emotions, doesn't really know who she is. I'm not sure what Durka and Fist would be doing after all that, after, but well, it's almost 20 years since, I guess as well. 19 years yeah. right since we were the last 19 years yeah 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 we, we what do you think the the characters would be doing 20 years later
0: oh i'm not sure um I think Darika, obviously, mother of probably two, three kids back in Sweden with yeah. Lars, living her life. <laughs> um, Fist, no idea actually, probably split from Bart. W- working in economics, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, possibly. You know, that's what she has a degree in. Yeah. So maybe, you know, she's grown up a bit. I um, don't know. I would love to have seen. Maybe we should write some book group fan fiction. Maybe, maybe there's some out there.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you spot the two famous cameos? in this series? Uh, no, I don't think okay.
1: so. Okay, so Ian Robertson.
0: Who oh, he's was... a farmer.
1: Yeah, what spotted him, yeah. yeah, he's
0: a farmer in there. Yeah. And we discussed this in Guilt Series 2. Did you spot Sarah Vickers? No.
1: Which character does she play?
0: She's the babysitter that uh... Janice says, same time next Saturday. Right. Okay. And it's literally a blink and you'll miss it. And and she's only 14, so it's not that, you know. Uh, But yeah, she's in it for all of one scene. And of course, we have as, not a main character, but one of the other big characters in this is Henry Ian Cusack as Miles. Mm. And he is Kenny's book agent. And he, of course, played a very famous role in Lost. I never watched Lost. No. Ah, okay. You never watched Lost. Okay. So he was in Lost as quite a big character um i think he was introduced in the second series but he had a very thick scottish accent oh yeah whereas in this he has that kind of softer edinburgh Mm. accent but his daughter harriet and this begs the question here how old is harriet because kenny does describe her as a trophy shag but i did kind of work out how old she probably is with a few lines she says so
1: how old do you think harriet is i i mean i has a a sort of hopeful hopefully i thought you know 17 because it's slightly it's slightly better but perhaps 16 but hopefully no younger than that (laughs) she has to show her fake id and then she's like oh it worked
0: so we know she's under 18 and that's when kenny does say how old are you yeah and when they have the argument in the kitchen and she throws the carbonara on the floor and she says, yeah. um, women born after 1985 don't have to put up with this shit. Yeah. So I would presume 2003, 1985, that would make her 17. And she drives, right? She drives the Audi. So she must yes, be 17. Yes, she drives the Audi. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she must be 17.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just found, I'll keep going on about it. I just found it all but weird. Um, the whole Kenny a uh, Life yeah. thing, like, because it, you know, when it starts off with Caroline, you're like, oh, you know, he's he can actually connect to Caroline in a way that he can't connect to any of the book group ladies because she's also in a wheelchair, so she she knows some of the things that people that we uh, the uh, wheelchair users have to deal with day to day and stuff. You know, there's that there's, there's that scene when she gets herself up the stairs backwards in her chair, yeah, and, and that kind of thing. So I kind of thought, oh, you know, maybe this will be like a big a, a big Sort of love affair for Kenny, you know, and then it's it sort of fizzles out after after two episodes, and you feel bad for her because she seems really into him, you know. After he seems to have had to do the kind of hard work in the first stages of the relationship, but then you know when he's doing his readings in the bookshop for the for the old wifeies and she wants to give him a kiss, and he's like, "Oh, not in public," and all that, and I was like, "Oh." You sort of t- you've you you've you've kind of taken a character who is probably the most like one of the most likable characters from the first series and made him a bit of a prick, it, just insane, something like that. You know what I mean? To his to his his disabled girlfriend. I thought it was just strange uh, choices. I thought
2: Kenny has another girlfriend. This one's called Harriet. She walks. Hello, Harriet. I think your bump is beautiful. You look like a koala bear. Thank you.
0: Would it surprise you if I told you that Rory McCann won a Scottish BAFTA for best TV
1: performance for this series? It wouldn't surprise me because I I know Rory. I knew he had a Scottish BAFTA. for the big group. Ah, well. Okay then. <laughs> um, I don't think he's. I don't think his performance is bad. I don't think. Like I just think it's a. Sh- I think he's he's brilliant as uh, Kenny. But just the making him yeah. making the character behave that way, I thought was a bit weird.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think they treaded on the first series and the second series of, th- there was kind of some flashback parts that, for example, when Fist finds out that Claire and Kenny have kissed yeah. and announces it to the group. And then the next scene is Durka and Fist in the car and are bitching about Kenny and Claire. Like, Why mm. does he like her? And that's exactly the same scene from series one, yeah. where they see Kenny and Claire going off together and they're driving and bitching about them. So yeah, yeah I th- I'd like that kind of flashback element, but they they tried to do it. But I don't know. It just, there was a few things missing from this series.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you, if you were going to, I don't think we did this when we did the first series. If you were going to start a book group and you could have anybody oh, wow. from Scotland, could be like an actor, could be a television presenter, could be a footballer. Who would you who would you have in your group? You can have six people have six in people. the book group. You could have all five, so six including and you. And they all have to be Scottish. Yeah, this is a Scottish podcast after all. So.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so in my book group, I'm gonna have um, I'll have you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, is that okay? Yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to be a member. Right, yeah. Fantastic. Um I'll have why do I have Irvin Welsh? Because he's obviously an author and he'll be able to bring some books and um yeah. also <laughs> some insight into that world. Yeah. I'm gonna have Jenny Faulkner because she is, you know, brings a bit of glamour mm-hmm. and I think she's very knowledgeable and I and I do really like her. I'm gonna have Pat Nevin. Right. <laughs> because ex footballer. He's written a book oh. and we can chat about music. I'm gonna have Douglas Anderson, okay, the broadcaster, because I think he's very intelligent. He likes books
1: and he <laughs> loves Colombo. So he'll be good for the book group. How many have I got there? Uh we see Anderson, Nevin, Welsh, me. I can have one more. Uh, oh no, Falconer. Oh, you've done them all. You've yeah, you filled your book group up. Falconer, Nevin. Okay. Anderson, me, and uh Evan Welsh. That's your five. Oh, okay, yep.
0: yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, that's nice. my book group. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, that's a good book group. I'm happy with that. What about yourself? Who would I have at mine? Um I think I'd have I'd have Peter Mullen. I think he would be an interesting guy to have around. Yeah. Um, talk about books, Robin Galloway. Oh wow! He Just seems like a nice fella. Yeah, he just seems like a good.
0: Yeah, I've met Robin Galloway.
1: Yeah, I've seen him around Aberdeen. I've, I've never met him, but I, I occasionally saw him around town when I in Aberdeen. Who else? Claire Grogan, you know. Oh, the, that's a great shout. The, the eye candy. You know <laughs> and the i'm sure uh well-informed insights she could bring I, I could ask her lots of things about gregory's girl and altered images as well i could get her to spill the beans on gary kemp because i suspect that there's something there with gary kemp I'm not sure what it is don't think he's as nice as he comes across on his uh, Rockin' tours podcast <laughs> um <coughs> so that's my three who else who else i mean i know he's not alive anymore but if we're suspending disbelief i'd have ricky fulton because i'm sure he'd have his all in stitches yeah um and another woman don't i um i Lane C. Smith? Yeah, good uh, good shout. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That'll be good. Well, but I haven't invited you. I feel bad now because you invited me to yours. It's okay.
0: <laughs> I was going to suggest I swap you out for Alex Norton anyway, so oh, it's okay. fine. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's fair enough. Alex Norton would be a lot more interesting than me. Ah, <laughs> uh, not at all. Yeah, I think if I um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen Rory McCann for well over ten years since the last time I seen him. But if I happen to see him again, I'm going to ask him if uh, if there was ever talk of a third series if they because i know he was friends with the writer that's how he ended up being in it mm. um so i have to ask him if she was if, if he uh i'm sure he's probably still friends with her if she ever um, uh, started working the third series so we could find out what happened to all their friends in the book group
0: yeah it would be lovely to know what happens mm. to everyone and, and see what they're all doing nowadays it would be so good yeah you. i'd
1: love to see that i mean lachlan and clara i love to know what happens to them and what they're up to. Trapped in a loveless marriage. Yeah. Kitchen cupboards full of olive oil. And tree branches. <laughs> <laughs> shall we Shall we put season two, sorry, series two of the book group through our Swally Awards? Let's go for it then, Greg. What have we got first? Well, so the Bobby the Bartender Award for the Best Pub. What did you go for?
0: Well, uh, there was only a couple, really. There's the the bar that harriet and kenny go to when uh, yeah. she gets id'd when they get the bottle of cava there's a couple of spanish bars that rabs in but <laughs> i gave it to the mexican restaurant yeah, that they yeah. have that they have the wedding party in it has an inflatable tequila bottle and i had one of those in my bedroom that i stole from <laughs> daytona
1: i'll bet i'll bet it was in the corner of your bedroom for about a day before you got fucking fed up with it let the air out of it and archived it it was in there for about a month or so and then
0: yeah it got in the way and the air came out and deflated and then it just got chucked in the bin
1: i remember um i think it must have been was it was it would have been the summer of spider-man it was around 2002 and for my birthday you and our mutual friend bought me a sort of full-sized inflatable spider-man (laughs) Remember? Uh, Yeah, I do. Remember? I remember. I remember blowing it up and sort of sticking it in the window uh, of the of my bedroom in the flat at Elmback Terrace (laughs) that I shared with our mutual friend. Yeah, I never had many girls back to that flat, and maybe that's in in retrospect. Maybe that's why. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, I've got like what appears to be the silhouette of a sex doll in my uh, bedroom window. (laughs) Yeah, I went. I liked the Mexican one. I had that written down. But I also liked the pub where uh, Jane runs into Miles, and she, um, you know, she kind of browbeats him into mm. into, you know, well, she, she doesn't. She tells him she's going to write this book. Well, he's he's drowning his sorrows because Harriet's fucked off with Kenny and his um, yeah. and his Audi, and uh, she approaches him about uh about her, the book that she's planning mm. okay next one then so the ewan mcgregor award for gratuitous nudity so I, i'll go first um i uh, <laughs> there's not a great deal of gratuitous sort of nudity the rab love making scene is pretty full-on um and then the sort of fantasy scene when janice is in the bath and she she comes up she comes up she gets up out the bath there's a, there's a very brief moment as she's putting the towel around herself. But I did like that scene with Big Jackie. What are you shagging him for? <laughs> and Rab, with I'm on after you. Um. <laughs> it's a funny
0: scene. What did you go for? I did not spot the... The brief nipple of Janice and Debassi. No, I didn't see that. Uh, yeah, I gave it to Robin Anselmo for their rather graphic sex scene. Yeah, I mean, I, I was two thousand and three on Channel I, Four at nine thirty p.m.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was I was surprised by that. I mean, I suppose it's like Queen as Folk which was also yeah. on Channel 4 and was kind of controversial for its uh, its graphic homosexual sex scenes. That was like maybe three years before. Yeah, I think it was like 99 or 2000. So yeah, I mean, and, and I think because there'd be nothing, there'd be no sort of sex scene, homo nor hetero really in the first series to, to speak of. To like that first episode to have that full on, like, it's like fucking hell. You know, a Spanish guy with his broken legs sticking out and all that and... Yeah. Next, so the next award then the James Cosmo Award for popping up in lots of Scottish productions. What did you go for? I had to give it to Derek Riddle. Yeah.
0: There's there's a lot of people in this, but I think Derek Riddle has probably been in the most.
1: Yeah. I I gave it to Derek Riddle, but I did give an honourable mention to Frank Gallagher for getting two episodes out of course. Yeah. You know he's um but he's but he's sort of. I think I think he's one of the regular characters on River City yeah. these days, I believe. He is, yeah. Um, and Mark he was Gallagher. in
0: Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rockstar, of course, yeah.
1: He was, yep, yep. There's a little bit of irony, actually, because um, of the. this is the third thing that we've covered that Frank Gallagher's appeared in. You mentioned Young Person's Guide, obviously Orphans. Yeah. He's got a big part in Orphans as Tanja. But in both Orphans and this, there's a scene with him in A Load of Spunk. <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause obviously in orphans there's a famous scene when they're spying on the guy having a wank and the guy turns and uh shoots his load into Tanja's face. And then in this one, as we mentioned <laughs> earlier, with we, we see his uh his uh, his perils shooting up into the air in the scene with um with Jane. So <laughs> po- i thought I'd point that out. <laughs> um, um, okay, the next award then, the Jake McQuillan Your Tease Out award. I think I know what you're going to go for. Janice, <laughs> headbutting on Selma. So when I was watching that, I was thinking, she looks like she's going to stick a nut on him. But she sort of slaps him first, I think, and then headbutts him. You know? <laughs> I'd read in my notes that, like, obviously it's clear letting the air out of
0: Kenny's tyres. With her hairpin. Right, yeah. And then, of course, last episode, Janice just absolutely sticks the nut on Anselmo. And I was like, okay, scrub out Claire (laughs) and Kenny, that's the winner. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful the way she just
1: launches at him. Janice, I've got to tell you something.
2: Oh, yes. I'm moving to Spain. What? I'm moving to Spain. I'm going to work for Anselmo. He needs a personal trainer. But you can't. You... you can't leave my house, Rab. I'm sorry, Janice, but it's something I've been thinking a lot about. The year, the year, I'm leaving, Jackie. No, don't do that. I can't live without you, Gab. You, you can, Janice. I'm going to shake the palm for you. Roberto, vámonos al hotel. Esta tía se leva la cabeza. Now, mm. just you stop talking Mexican there, chico. This is my man and he's not going anywhere without oh me. Oh, Janice, you're a guadal. Push it to me, call your taxi, you get him to your bed. I'm not going anywhere without you. Oye, vámonos. Ya, eh.
3: Esta tía está borracha. Vámonos,
2: está he's with me, oh man. Now, mira, this mira, is mira, what I call a party.
3: No me toques el traje, que es un Dolce & Gabbana, eh. Y me ha costado 2000 euros. Estamos, eh. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> um, I didn't
1: know anything down for this one because I didn't know anything down for it when I was watching it and then I couldn't recollect anyone. But uh, the what did you have for the Francis Begbie uh, Gratuitous Swearing Award?
0: There's a couple on this, but not a huge amount of standouts. I, I did like when Janice and Rabber in the supermarket and he picks out uh, frozen peas and they're saying <laughs> that they have to buy only scottish produce now rab yeah and he looks at the peas and he goes ah fuck they're portuguese and throws <laughs> yeah. them back in the freezer but i actually gave it to durka because there's a scene with fist and durka uh, having a conversation and durka turns to fist and says fuck you i'm beautiful and <laughs> yeah. i just thought that was really nice and especially in durka's swedish accent it was just nice and funny the way it came out and yeah, yeah. i that was the one that won it for me and i thought was the best use of swearing but there wasn't as much swearing in this series as the first one no um there was no cunts cuz they have the famous cunt scene in the the first series but a little bit less swearing
1: okay uh next then the archetypal scottish moment what did you have for this so i i toiled a wee bit and i settled on sightseeing in loch lomond seems like quite an archetypal scottish thing to do on a sunny day or if you got visitors in town okay sort of driving up from glasgow to Balloch, you know okay but what did you go for?
0: This is probably the category that I often struggle with on this uh-huh. Wally. That yeah. sometimes you're watching something and I have to pick out, like, oh, I'll pick the Highland Coo yeah. or uh-huh. something tartan. With this, I had an abundance. Okay. And I couldn't pick one, but I kind of have. So mm-hmm. the few I selected are Janice and the Scottish wool aspect of yeah. this. Um, I picked Jean with Everyone in Glasgow Smells of Sour Mash Whiskey. <laughs> I had Janice when, in the last episode, after she snogged Rab, she comes into the church looking like Scottish widow's adverb. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. Wonderful, I guess very much a Scottish terminology, when Jean gets her hair done after she's met her madam, and she comes in um, and she said, yeah, I've got my hair done. She does homers. <laughs> and homers, it's very much a Scottish thing, isn't it? Because I know, I remember my sister used to cut hair and she did homers, Yeah, and Whenever we had any work done in the house, like a joiner or wallpapering, it was always a homer that was done. So a homer.
1: It's it's a Scottish thing for sure. Yeah, very Scottish. Yeah, because my my dad used to do uh, homers as a painter and decorator. He would do homers, yeah.
0: However, the one thing that really screams Scotland to me is when Kenny is breaking up with Kerry-Anne and (laughs) she says, I'm missing my programme. I hate this.
2: Hate what?
0: I don't know what to say. And I don't want to be one of those blokes who just doesn't call you.
2: Are you dumping me?
1: Aye. I mean, Caroline, it's enough me being in the chair. But the two of us, it's like a club or something.
3: I'm missing my
1: programme. Will you not get angry with me so I can get drunk and puke?
3: I'd rather
2: see my programme. Come on! You were a shite shag, Kenny McLeod
1: That wasn't that bad. It did all right. Yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's quite, it's quite it's quite Scottish. Like when yeah when when she tells them though, because they, they have the scene together where she tells them that she can't feel anything uh, around her genitals she's no feeling there and then yeah. when they break up and she leaves she tells him that he was a crap shag anyway and I was thinking <laughs> how do you know <laughs> you know <laughs> but then but then but then Kenny's got the I wasn't that bad <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one.
0: Not worth missing our program yeah. for.
1: I mean, I, I, I feel like I've probably mentioned this before, but I remember my granny who lived by herself because my granddad was in a home. And she, uh, before, like th- this was a woman that could barely work like essential heating, but she got a video recorder from uh, Radio Rentals and she would tape. Because you remember like back in the 80s and 90s, they, during the day, there'd be sort of shitey, Australian soaps on So you had like the good ones Like neighbours And to a lesser extent Home and away um, Then you had the shiters Like sons and daughters And young doctors And all that you know A country practice a Country practice Yep uh, And she would the 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 Sullivans and she would like oh she would tape all that shit which because she would because she was going to go and see my granda in the hospital on a Wednesday and a Saturday and then but she was always out and about during the day so she would tape all that and then in the evening she'd watch like the ones that were broadcast but it was Emmerdale Farm Coronation Street EastEnders and on the Friday she'd watched uh, Dinner state used to be on and then the colby's and she'd watch all the programs that she taped. And she stay up and watch Prisoner as well. I mean, I, I've never known anybody. Like, I know that we watch quite a lot of TV, and you and I complain all the time that oh, it's difficult to find time right? if our mutual friend says, oh, you got to watch fucking Gangs of London. It's really good. And we're like, oh, fucking hell, but I've, I've got to watch this. And then I've got to watch this. I've got to watch this. Somehow, that wee woman, despite being busy, managed to keep up with about probably a dozen fucking soaps. And then when new ones came in, like Eldorado, when that came on for a little while she fucking watched that as well i just think the discipline and commitment to stay in, to stay on top of all these programs so you gotta take my hat off to her um okay uh then the last award uh the, sh- <laughs> <laughs> the sean Connery award who uh who won the show for you i think we'll both be in agreement
0: here that it's michelle gomez yeah, she's brilliant it's her physical comedy in this it's just brilliant, you know, when she falls in front of the priest and, ah, she's just
1: brilliant. She's really good. I mean, like I said earlier, she plays these sort of eccentric characters so well. You know what I mean? She's brilliant. Yeah. Well done, Michelle. She's just actually signed up to be, I don't know if you I've never watched it, but one of the DC TV shows that I think so it's on america called the doom patrol i think she's uh signed up for the third series of that uh brendan fraser is oh in it. yeah um a few other people okay um, so uh no i'll never watch I that i watched it but i did i did see them um because i watched titans on netflix Like the first series of titans and they introduced those characters uh in that for the spin-off but i've never i've not kept up with titans either it's hard keeping up with telly <laughs> Unless you're a 65 year old Glaswegian woman, evidently.
0: <laughs> evidently so. Okay, so, well, we'll look forward to seeing her in that soon. Or not. Or not, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, probably won't. Okay, uh, so the book group series two, close the chapter on that. That was my choice. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's your choice next time on The Swally, Greg. So why don't you tell us what we're going to be looking at? Well, I thought I'd go for something that neither of us... Well, I don't think you've seen this before. So I've picked the BBC BBC Scotland two-part miniseries from 2015 based on the Ian Banks novel of the same name, Stone Mouth. Oh, wow. um, Okay. Starring uh, Christian Cook and swally favourite... Peter Mullen. thought we'd, we'd, uh, we'd go for that this time around.
0: I've read the book, yep. but I've never seen the TV adaptation, so right. I'll look forward to that.
1: Thank you. I've read the book as well, but I read it when it first came out, so like 10 years ago. So I, I don't remember a great... I remember the sort of basic premise, but I don't remember a lot of the detail.
0: That was not what I was expecting you to pick. I know. But okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: i know i thought i'd save what i think you would expect me to pick for maybe next year because we've obviously we've got some stuff coming up and it's only a two-parter so it's uh it's not a it's not a big commitment um you know to watch so
0: because you looked at what i was expecting you to pick and realized oh it's six hours long oh no oh no let's pick something shorter no <laughs> that's fine yeah <laughs> i'll look forward to watching stone mouth with you then and we'll do what that later uh, or early in a year All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to give us a little follow, you can. You can follow us on Instagram at CulturesWallyPod, or you can follow us on Twitter at SwallyPod. And if you have seen anything that you would like us to cover, review, any news stories that you find funny that you would like us to talk about on the Swally, then please email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. And if you want to just send us a little note or a message, get in touch, say hello, give us a little review anywhere, please feel free to because we do respond to any of our messages and it's so nice to hear from our listeners as well so please don't feel shy get in touch and of course rate review subscribe wherever you get podcasts really helps the podcast to grow and greg is about to tell you about our website
1: uh, yep you can find us at cultureswally.com uh there's links to our socials on there there's uh, links to all our episodes a couple of articles um Hopefully more articles soon we'll get some stuff written down and uploaded onto there. Um, and also check out some of the other podcasts on the Scottish Podcast Collaboration. There'll be a lot of stuff coming up towards the end of the year. We'll mention the one that we're doing in November. Um, but yeah, give, check those guys out and give them a bit of a boost on the old reviews. It all helps.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. As Greg says, we will probably put a couple of episodes on our feed from other Scottish podcasts so if you download them and you like them then feel free to go onto their feed and give them a download as well and help support Scottish podcasts. Right wonderful well I'm off to go and watch Stone Mice now in anticipation of the next episode so yeah. I'm not going to read the book again though I'm currently reading Heat 2 Me too I just
1: started it I just started it The other day Yeah I'm only I've only like A couple of chapters in But uh, yeah I'm really enjoying it Yeah me too
0: Okay well everyone Go download Stone Mouth Read the book Watch the film We will see you next time on The Swally Until next time Until next time
3: I think it's great that you're learning some Spanish rap So are you talking to Anselmo there? Aye It's not as hard as the boys think you know Speaking Spanish Oh,
2: some of the words are dead from my
3: That's right. Just got to listen. Damn, what's barley? Bally? Barley means okay then. Alright. It's a good word to know.
2: Barley. Barley, barley. What's a... Cheeky cheeky. Cheeky cheeky. <laughs> ah, is that chicken? Oh, is that two chickens?
3: Rob, cheeky cheeky means sex. Really? Aye.